0: Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin, the only problem
1: you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles.
0: What is good, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves Ball Street. Your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. The Draft Act, NBA Draft Podcast. Coming at you in an with an exciting episode um but first before we get into it my name is cory taliba i'm your host and i'm here as always with my co-host albert garbage time gim albert what's going on man
1: dude that that intro felt uh energized and uh extra amped up today i don't know if it's uh I don't know if it's because that your hair's growing out or what it is, but
0: hair's flowing. I just got my (laughs) arm got my arm blasted. I got a couple of tats. So you know I got a little little bit of burn burning Mm -hmm. sensation on my arm. Uh so that's that's fun, but the energy's up. (laughs) And we got a guest today, uh, which I'm assuming by the title of the podcast, you'd probably have figured out already. But we got our guy Simon. You might know him on the internet as at Hawks Draft Nerd Simon. What's up, man? Good to finally get you on a podcast.
2: What up, guys? Thank you for uh, having me on. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, Simon is is. I think you're you're one of the um, draft Twitter uh, legends in, in the space <laughs> right now, um, because you know you actually put in the work and people i think really respect your opinions especially because you're not somebody who kind of falls into consensus thinking and is feels any pressure to necessarily place a prospect in one spot versus the other and i think when you're authentically yourself and and true to what you believe i think people respect
2: that thank you man yeah i definitely do not just follow the groupthink on guys yeah i don't never have Never will.
0: I think it could be dangerous when um, people do fall into that. So uh, I know Albert and I are excited to chop it up and talk a little bit about your board and why you have certain guys in certain spots. But before we get into that, I figured maybe we just talk a little bit about of the Atlanta Hawks, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty and what is your feeling coming off of this season after the season prior, of being a team in the Eastern Conference Finals regarding
2: the Hawks, um, I'm not gonna lie. I did not at all enjoy this past season. <laughs> um, yeah, it was not fun to watch. So the we the came in felt like everyone was like too deep on like every single position, felt super confident, and then. After, like, the first – I think it was after, like, the first f- – the four games, the Trey Young said that, like, it was the boring in the yeah. regular season. And then, like, after that, I was like, God, this is just not going to end well. Yeah. yeah, And, yeah, it was not – it was not a fun season. Trey Young – Trey Young did awesome, but – it just it felt like everyone else just thought they could just the coast straight mm. into the Eastern Conference Finals again. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not enjoy it.
1: <laughs> That's, Simon, oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, go ahead, Albert.
1: No, Simon, I was wondering, you know, you mentioned that it was a rough season. Um, in the middle of the season, you guys decided to trade one of your favorite guys, Cam Reddish. Um oh. You know, I thought you'd be all excited getting Kevin Knox in the building, but I guess I'm wrong for <laughs> saying that one, right?
2: <laughs> oh, no. Not at all ex- excited. <laughs> that was, God, I cannot even put into the words how pissed off I was that day. <laughs> I was so upset. I was so upset. Uh,
0: I, I I, get it. That that's. Do you think that Atlanta maybe should have traded him earlier and possibly gotten a better return uh were there rumblings i feel like i remember reading that cam was available in the offseason even
2: so apparently uh the cam asked to be traded right after the season the ended like last year apparently and he was supposed to go to the summer league and then because he asked to be traded, I guess I guess he just decided he did not want to go there, I guess. Yeah. So I mean I'm not quite sure why they didn't trade him before the season, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the what happened there. I guess the Cam he just he wanted to to get the bigger the role on Mm. offense and on the team with the Trey Young, that was just not gonna happen. So uh, I don't know. I I think that he kind of got bad advice and he thought like he could just go somewhere else and then just be the number one or the number two option. And that did not happen on the Knicks. So no, I, here's was, where I'm at. I don't know what the Knicks were doing. I, I don't know why they didn't they play him.
0: Here, here's where I'm at with cam. He's a guy that when you watched his high school uh, film, you saw this outlandish wing potential handled the ball mm-hmm. like Paul George, smooth looking shot. Um, obviously, you know, pretty good athleticism. Just looked the part. Went to Duke. I get it. Came in, played a weird role compared to maybe what he could have been expecting. But the fact is, he just hasn't really made major strides. He's improved as a player for sure, but yeah, not in the way—not in the way that a, you know, uh, you're a lottery pick who maybe sees himself as a, a top one or two level player needs to improve to be given mm-hmm. the opportunity to shine in that light. So I think that somebody like him who, because he can shoot it from behind the arc, if you really need him to, he can create his own shot He can get hot and impact. Like he definitely won the Hawks some playoff games in, in that run Mm -hmm. and he could defend multiple positions. I think, you know, it -hmm. would be hard. You'd be hard pressed to say that this is a guy who can't defend or, or, you know, earn a role on, on that side of the ball, but he's just not, the guy that he looks like he should be. And it's hard to reconcile, I think for fan bases that have him in their grasp, because you always believe that what if he just does hit that outcome and that ceiling. And as an outside observer, I'm just like, what are the percentages that all of a sudden it clicks for him? 7%, 8%, 9%. Like how often has that happened that somebody just goes from, shooting 39, 40, 41% from the floor to all of a sudden you boost your field goal percentage 10 points. You do all the things that people are looking for. I don't know. It's to me he's he's a little bit more fool's gold than than not, but he could still be a valuable player if he understands I think the role that he ultimately will, would fill on a winning team.
2: Mm. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely agree with that. Some games, some games he looked just like he was the board out there. Like it just, it looked like the game was just too easy for him. And so he didn't like put in all the effort that he needed to. Yeah. It was very, it was very, very upsetting.
0: So looking at the roster now outside of Trey, who are you confident should be a building block alongside him in the long term?
2: Um, Probably I would say the best guess would be Hunter mm-hmm. and everyone else. Everyone else I think could just easily be gone by next season. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, not like the, everybody, but Collins, Collins could mm-hmm. definitely be the traded. Yeah, mm-hmm. Donovich could be gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capella, he could be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think, it's just a tray and just a Hunter.
1: Hmm. I, I think something that's interesting, you know, I, I've heard this on the Simmons podcast before and a lot of different places as well, but they always mention the Hawks as a potential three-for-one team, right? Whether that be a combination of Collins and Bogdanovich or Herder or uh, Gallinari or whatever. I'm wondering... Mm-hmm number one, it seems like that relationship between Young and Collins seems to be, not that it's bad or anything, but it seems to be weird just because we've heard so many whispers. It's kind of that thing where where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm wondering from, mm-hmm. from your perspective as a Hawks fan, what type of return or are there any players that you would want the team to target uh, for a trade like that? Like maybe you package Collins plus a couple other pieces, who? What type of player? Or who do you have a name that you think the team should be going after for a, for a deal like that? Um.
2: So I think that I would like to go after OG Ananobi personally, just because that is a the three four defender, and the Hawks we currently have the the one guy who. Does, who can who can actually play on the two, three, or four? Who can actually defend? Basically, so I would like to go after him. I don't know if Collins is the too much to give up for him, mm. but I've like I've the seen the Jeremy Grant once, and I do not want that to happen. <laughs> I have zero interest in the trading for trading the Collins for. The Grant. I have no interest in that.
0: Yeah. I mean, OG's younger. He's, I think, I think uh, most people would uh, prefer to have OG, even with some of the injury stuff. But I think this is a good way to segue into more of the draft stuff. At the picks, the the Hawks have the 16th pick in the draft. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: What player, and I think your answer maybe will say a little bit of what you think the Hawks should be doing to build around Trey properly? Or maybe you just, this is the guy you think is the best player available at the spot, and that's your strategy. Who do you really want them to target in an ideal scenario at 16?
2: So on my board, I think that Ivy, Jabari, Paulo, AJ, Chet, and the Keegan will all be gone by 16, guaranteed. I would assume yeah. so. <laughs> so, my the guy that I want the most would be the Jaden Hardy. Because the Hawks, the Hawks even though the the defense is bad, there basically isn't the anyone else who could actually the ball handle on the mm-hmm. team. No one can like find their own shot. The Trey Young has to basically like the set everybody, everybody up. So the yeah, so I think that Jaden Hardy would be our best guest, our best get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or someone like the Malachi the Branham. I would like Dalen Terry mm-hmm. or I would like Albert's guy, Blake Wesley.
1: <laughs> we'll we'll talk
0: about him we'll we'll get into blake oh, i think i think dalen would be really interesting yeah in the hawks.
1: yeah Agreed. yes yep
0: um i i i like his fit a lot better than even Jaden hardy's i i and i i think i not that i disagree with what you're saying about the hawks need but i look at dalen as a guy who a will allow Trey to play off ball at some points, which I think mm-hmm. is something that everybody wants to see more of because he can handle the uh, point guard duties. And yeah. I also think that he's a guy who, if you watch like these teams in the playoffs that are going deep, he you can't play him off of the floor. He's one of those guys mm-hmm. who six seven seven foot wingspan is going to defend. I I mean his shooting percentages have been fine. You want to see the volume a little yep. bit higher, but. Uh, ultimately he's a pretty decent shooter when left wide open, not going to mm-hmm. create shots like you necessarily want. But I think the idealized version of him, it's like you see the impact Lonzo ball had in Chicago. You see the impact that Derek white is having in Boston, these big connectors yeah. that are six, seven and could play with him without the ball in their hands. He looks like a lock to be one of those guys to me. And I think that's like such an interesting guy to put put next to Trey and to put next yeah. to DeAndre Hunter, um, mm-hmm. yeah, in particular. And it just helps with the switchability and allows you to when you build your team around guys like that, and then ultimately, you know, even I think a guy like uh, Anyeka Kongu could fill the yeah. the big man spot. It just becomes mm-hmm. this switchable team that can kind of make up for any misgivings that Trey might have on that end of the floor.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I definitely
1: agree with that. Yeah. yeah, And and if I can really quickly, Corey, uh, something that I wanted to say, piggybacking off of what you just said, I think, I mean, if we look at the end of the season for the Hawks, DeLon Wright had a little run for you guys, you know, and when I look at Dale and Terry, yeah, he was good. And when I look at Dale and Terry, he's got a little DeLon Wright to his game. You know, and so if you guys Uh are going to lose Delon, right, I feel like Terry would offer something to that squad that none of your other wings can provide. Right. Like everything Corey said Uh with, you know, the defensive energy and the effort, but the playmaking like that guy can really pass the ball and he's going to be a connector, as Corey said, in transition, you want him to run out and make quick decisions and move the ball and do all those kinds of things. So if it's a situation where you guys aren't going to bring right back, then Terry would be a great. A uh, cheaper, younger option to bring in and develop, and I and I think, you know, I've been a Terry guy for a long time now, and I think with the shooting, mm-hmm. like I think that'll come as well, you know. And so, um, you know, with Simon, with with that being said, also I wanted to kind of piggyback off of that and ask a question. You know, you you mentioned Branham. Uh, party all these guys uh wesley obviously i know cory's got something prepared for that he wants to wait a little bit if you could I'm talk a little bit <laughs> <laughs> okay okay then you know what let's get to it then because i think it's a great time to talk about mr wesley because um wesley is as you mentioned or as you were kind of alluding <laughs> to not my favorite guy but uh, something that i have noticed um through your twitter account and through other people on twitter as well but you are definitely one of the people. <laughs> who are really pushing for him, can you give us, give, give me something, you know, obviously I am pretty down on him, but I I need you to kind of talk me out of it. Talk some sense uh, into me and help me to understand what I'm missing with Wesley, because for me, he's a very difficult player to like. Um and, and I don't ever try to not like players. But the more I watch Wesley, I don't get it. But obviously, you being, you know, a different set of eyes, a different perspective, if you can talk me into Wesley, I think that would be fantastic.
2: Yeah, so when I the watch guys, I, like, I don't, I do not exactly look at their stats too much. Like, so he's he was the 19 year old kid and the the coach gave him basically the lead guard spot after like i think it was after like 4 games and he had some like like the 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 flashes were like just probably the best in the class outside of like the top Five guys probably wow. his defense was awesome in my mm-hmm. in my opinion Yeah. um the shot is not the shot it needs like the a lot of the work to it but i like how he he had like i, I think it was he had like i think it was the 10 games with with like four or the more assists and i love that from the freshman guard so i love that the defense is there and yeah i mean i don't know i've just always been the wesley guy and it's it's the kind of like tough to like explain the why because i just the go off the the vibes a lot which is not the best when it comes to like scouting
1: <laughs> yeah
2: but i loved like like the motor that like he's got. And I think that he's basically going to have to have the primo treatment. I don't think he's going to be oh. the league ready yeah. after, like, in the first season. Right. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be the ready league right off the bat. So, first of all, I
0: think going off vibes is perfectly okay. And honestly, I go off... <laughs> I mostly go off vibes too. Like I, of course I look at like the analytics or whatever. And, you know, I always got guys like Nathan uh, shouting out like synergy percentiles or whatever, but you know, <laughs> which we can't afford, uh, but but no shout out in stat. Cause we got, we have, Instat yeah.
1: percentiles. We, do. we do.
0: Um, But, and, and like typically a guy like Wesley is like my wheelhouse. Like I had, cam thomas and josh christopher in my lottery last year and i felt
2: good about that
0: wesley i just there's something for me and it's i think mostly vibes like obviously the stats aren't great either so there's that but for me like there was a path that i could see cam thomas not having to have the ball in his hands all the time to make an impact there is a path where Josh Christopher, I think, doesn't have to be a guy who needs a ball in his hands to have an impact. Obviously, you want those guys to play with the ball in their hands because ultimately, if they reach their ceiling, that's part of the appeal. But I just felt a little more comfortable with their ability to maybe space the floor. I, I liked Josh Christopher as a guy who could, like, you know, I thought he was a smart cutter. Uh, Wesley, to me, is a guy who I feel like right now, and you said he's, he needs a primo treatment. He, he's not league ready. Uh, he's a guy that I felt needed another year maybe of college seasoning so he could maybe have that Jaden Ivey opportunity I don't see how right now he finds himself on a floor if he doesn't have the ball in his hands now obviously the, the defense I agree with you the defense is really impressive um, he's long he's competitive and I don't who cares he's skinny he's, skinny. he's 19 years old every yeah, 19 year old is skinny matter. He'll he'll put weight on it yeah. doesn't matter um, but offensively I'm I just really, I have a lot of concern and we've broken, you know, his game down in an entire episode. Right. Uh, right. I just have concerns of what do you do if he doesn't have the ball in, in his hands? And is he good enough with the ball in his hands to give him the ball in his hands? So that's my kind of conundrum with him. And for me, it's like, at what point of the draft is the point of the draft that it makes sense to take that risk for me. And I, you know, the, like, the lottery is way too early, but for some people that's a great spot. It's a great bet because how often does the 13th pick in the draft really materialize? Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I get both sides of the argument. It's just not for me. My wife likes Thai food. I can't get on board with Thai food. Ooh, you know,
1: same you <laughs> know? damn Corey. Oh, you. What?
0: What? I, I love, I love Thai food. And look, <laughs> I want to, you th- you don't think I want to? I want to like every single food there is. Food is the best. I love eating. Yeah. I love experimenting oh, and trying twice. trying new stuff. <laughs> but I just can't get on board with Thai food. Uh, I love Indian food. You know, like I you know I, things that maybe you would think maybe have like a, a some similarities. I don't know what it is. I just can't get on board with it. That's where I'm at with with Wesley. He's Thai food. I don't like Thai food. No, that's Simon, fair. you that's you fair. like Thai food. <laughs>
2: I love Thai food. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: fair. Right? Uh, no, if I can really quickly, Simon, I, I do want to say I think the point that you made about him like he's obviously going to be defensively a guy who can come in and do stuff. You know, we we covered him on our pod, and we talked about how he really flashed at certain parts of defense, right? Or even just defensively overall, I think we liked him a lot more than offensively. But offensively for us, I think like the touch was like a huge thing, right? But at the same time, Simon, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the ultimate point that you're getting to is that for you, the flashes were so good in those like little spurts that your projection for him is that eventually those spurts and those little flashes become more sustained and more consistent. Mm-hmm. And you see him really kind of tapping into that skill set and that energy and becoming a really effective NBA player is essentially what I think you're saying. I, I'm pretty close, right?
2: Yep, that's correct. So yeah. the flashes... Were like the same thing I saw in Jaden, Jaden the Ivy, the last yeah, season. Okay, so that's yeah, I've, and yeah,
1: and
0: I I think that maybe is part of what I was touching on last season. Like Jaden Ivy had those flashes that were really intriguing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he got to build off those flashes in a way where he was the man this year.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I don't know if going to the G League necessarily allows you the same opportunity as being the the guy in college and understanding how to fix those flaws in a way that you can tangibly compare it to what was going on last year i'm not saying it's impossible i just for me like Mm -hmm. sometimes i think getting another year in college to improve Mm -hmm. on it is a way that is more beneficial than going to the g league other times I think going to the G League could be more beneficial. Uh, yeah. So I think it's a case-by-case basis. And there's also probably no right answer because it's an unknowable thing because we'll never know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about, let's let's transition to Jaden Ivey because you were in on him uh, probably since last draft cycle. You were probably talking about him. What is it that makes Jaden Ivey the number one guy on your board? Because you're OG. Jaden Ivey is the number one guy in this class. Oh, it's become the trend. But you were listening to this band before they were cool. so tell tell us about <laughs> the Jaden Ivies and why you uh you bought their their demo.
2: So I've had him the first since so I had the hardy the the first up until two weeks into into the season and then I put the Ivy the first and I think that. He's got the the one trait that scares opposing defenses the most out of anybody in the top five. His speed, how he can just get to like the basket at any point, and um, so I've basically always been the guard guy. Like I'm, I know that the combo guards are not exactly the best type of type of a guy to like build the team around, but I want, I want a guy who I can just tell them just the, give them the ball and then he can just get to like, like the basket, like at the fucking any point in time. So that's the why I've had the Jaden Ivy up top all season. And, Like, like, like he didn't do basically anything to the make me the put him down. So if someone doesn't like, you know, if like a guy doesn't do something to make me the not be on him anymore, I'm not just gonna the punish him and just the put him the like freaking the lower
0: i think that makes sense um and i think you're starting to see people buy into ivy as the potential top prospect i think one of the one of my biggest points that i like to hammer home is like even though the cons, well there isn't really a true consensus this this year as to who the number one prospect is but based on the last draft act rankings on the no ceilings consensus board it was jabari smith it was holmgren most of the year um For some people, it's Boncaro. But every year we see, like, this is the consensus best player. This is the guy who should go number one. And most of the time, the consensus is not right. The consensus doesn't Mm -hmm. play out. Maybe it's contextually. Maybe it's just the timeline isn't long enough for it to play out. Maybe it's injury. Whatever. So I think it's interesting when there are boards that stray a little bit further from the path because – I think historically that's how it works. It it works out that playing it safe means you're probably going to be wrong in some form or fashion, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it's easy to see, like with Ivy, because he looks really big out there. Like Ja, for as physical a freak as he is, he still looks small out on the court. You know, yeah. like
1: yeah. he's got
0: he's got otherworldly physical gifts, and he jumps unlike any player in the league. But he's like really frail like looking and he's tough. So he attacks with reckless abandon, but you know, he's not like a physically imposing force. Like Jaden Ivy is like a big dude. And yeah. I watched him from behind the bench this year. And like, he's a big dude, you know, like even, if, you know, he's listed wherever six, four, uh, probably six, five in shoes, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like a thick dude. You know, you could tell he's in, he's living in the weight room a little bit too. And I think that's going to get, he's going to put it on more weight, like most human beings do after Mm -hmm. college uh, when he gets into strength and conditioning program. So it makes me think like this dude is so explosive already. Like imagine two years, three years from now, NBA space and strength and conditioning could be really scary.
1: Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Actually, Corey, you know, with what you said, he definitely looks more like, Six five six six. When you see him on the court, mm-hmm. like he's a really taller, bigger guy, and I think you know that, uh, Corey. I think the comp that you've been saying for Ivy for a while was um, Zach Levine, right? Am I wrong? I'm pretty no, yeah.
0: That, right? I I, yeah. I see a lot of like Zach Levine. Like I I, I've always I've always said one. it's a combo of Ja and Zach Levine, right, right. But not taking the best aspects of each one of their games, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. It's mm-hmm. taking little portions, but um. I see the similarities in, in like Zach Levine is like a smooth athlete. Right. But he's not smooth in the way that like, uh, I don't know. Like Rudy Gay was really smooth to me. Mm. Like he floated in the air when he mm. was like coming mm. out of college. It was just so fluid. Like sometimes Zach looks like that, but getting there, yeah. it doesn't always look as, uh, cause he's not like as shifty type mm-hmm. of thing, and I see a little bit of that in Jaden, like, almost, like, they're so athletic that it's just really hard to control it sometimes, yeah. but, like, yeah. they have control of it. Like, I, even, I, even, we did our, our Jaden Ivy breakdown um a few episodes ago, right. but I think I'm even gonna try to do a, a, a live film sesh uh, pretty soon, so I was cutting up clips of him, and, like, in the transition, he's, like, turbo jets, but then, mm-hmm. in, in, like, one of the clips I, I clipped up, the one defender that's back tries to like slide over and take a charge, but he last minute kind of shifts direction, changes pace slows down and like finishes. And Mm -hmm. that's what's that's an interesting thing to him too, because I think he's starting to figure out how to control that speed a little bit instead of looking really out of control at times Mm -hmm. and comparatively. And I think this is where you see the flashes and what you saw with Ivy last year and what differs from this year, like Blake Wesley, I think at times, doesn't understand how to control that quickness and that's where you, you need the, the the more years of development but like ivy right. got that opportunity right. uh shifting a little bit because your four five six is yeah is i want to talk about that yeah um <laughs> aj griffin at four which mm-hmm. spoiler i've moved aj up to three on my board
2: oh my god yeah. wow
0: yeah i'm, I'm all the nice. way back in i love I'm it way, i'm love all the way it. back in on aj uh I, I just can't understand how watching jimmy butler and jalen brown in these playoffs and seeing somebody in the same exact archetype who had a historic shooting season and showed that when he had the opportunity to play with the ball in his hands that he
2: could do it and isn't the high school <laughs> the high school the film
1: was yeah. like yeah tops
2: yeah. in the like entire class and somehow And then the somehow the Shaden sharp can just the live off of that. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. And, I, yeah. I don't understand how Adrian is getting the punished for the basically the having to like the be into the smaller role. Yeah. I don't understand why he's getting the punished for that.
0: I, especially because. He excelled so well at the smaller role that it gives him right. such a high yeah. base. It gives him such a high baseline. that, mm-hmm. Like, if none of the other stuff happens, which I think is going to, he's still going to be a guy who has a seven-foot wingspan, is physical, and I think more athletic than giving credit for, but also can knock down mm-hmm. shots at a 40% clip. So, and, and make smart, yep. cuts off ball. Whatever, I digress. So I love him at four. You have Chet at five. Yeah. Um, which is definitely bucking consensus, which... <laughs> in my heart i hate but i love that you have the conviction to do it yeah and then you have Jaden hardy at six who you have never really wavered from and nope. uh i i, I kind of love that too and i think albert's right there with you with Jaden.
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah well so, the, yeah, so my thing it. is so Jaden only got to the play the 12 games right so the the where would
0: the Malachi be after the twelve games. Ooh. Yeah, I've also so got I've also got some spice. We're we're doing a Malachi episode, which if you're listening to this, you've probably already heard. But if you've already heard it, you've probably heard I had some some spice that I brought to the episode. So, uh, yeah, c- continue with your point about where would Malachi? Well, no, no,
2: that was it. That, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: that was it. No,
0: it's small samples. Um, right right you you look at the high school body of work you still see he's you see the talent it's apparent jumps off the screen um, and he improved throughout the course of the year, mm-hmm. which is something that you like to see and again I think he's got a baseline where now i i'm not I don't think he's gonna be a a defensive guy at the the next level, but he at least ha- he's got big broad shoulders in person he looks a little smaller than you would think he was. Um, but the shoulders and the frame look good, but the way he moves off ball and he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands. If the, the ball handling stuff and the playmaking never develops, he still has a role as a guy who you could run off a thousand screens and he can just catch mm-hmm. and shoot or leverage that to kind of attack in a straight line. And there's a path for him pretty easily to be like a, a, a microwave guy, worst case scenario. Yeah.
2: Yep. I, <laughs> yep. I definitely agree with that.
0: So what is it about chet that scares you?
2: Uh so I don't think it's like basically anything that scares me. I just okay. think that it's just gonna be easier to build a team around the top the four that that like I have. Mm-hmm. And I love I love the chet. I think I've always said that I want him to be in the Jaden um mcDaniel's role mm. just the not be not be the big man but the also a guy who could be in the three4 position wow so yeah
0: um that's interesting wow. I think yeah I mean if he's a taller jaden taller longer jaden <laughs> that's you know baseline that's a pretty terrifying yeah. defensive player um, yeah <laughs> And then offensively, you know, personally, I think he's got more in his bag right. than one. I think he showed way more in college offensively than Jaden did. But I also think he's got more, more. Mm-hmm. there than than Jaden does. But like Jaden's another guy who was top of his class yeah. and then had a mm-hmm. weird college year and, you know, obviously outplayed his draft spot. Other guys that I think you're a little bit higher on the consensus, uh, Bryce McGowan's
2: yeah so i love how like like he got to the basket whenever he wanted to and for a guy who um the going like into into the nba that is like a trait that like um he could just bank on super early and I don't think that like he's gonna be the the good passer or anything, but I like him as like like a guy who could be the third passer on a team and someone who could get like two two and a half two and a half assists, kind of like the Bogey did with with um the Hawks this season.
0: Mm-hmm. He he's always reminded me of T.J. Warren. Um yeah. and I think that he could potentially have like a, a similar role. Like again, he's another guy. He he's really hard to pin down. And he's another guy that probably could benefit from another year of college. Uh, because I think for him it's like mostly he's just gotta learn the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh like it's obviously yeah, yeah. like he's one of those guys that as soon as you watch him, you're like, all right, he's probably been the best player on the floor on every floor that he's gone to, right? Like the talent pops off
2: the screen. Uh, saw kinda him like kind of like um, um the cam reddish kind of
0: a little bit yeah very very much yeah. so in in you could just walk anybody on the court who maybe has never even watched a basketball game can come to the game and within a couple of minutes probably be like that's the best guy right
1: mm-hmm.
0: um yep. and he looks like it and I, one of the thing with him that i know he always gets like the really skinny label but yeah i saw him from yeah. behind the bench and i was like he doesn't really like, yeah, he's skinny, obviously, but like, mm-hmm. he's got this big, he's got these big, broad shoulders. Like yeah. I've always mm-hmm. thought he has the Tatum shoulders. So mm-hmm. like, he's got the frame that I think is really going to fill out his legs. You know, I don't know. Maybe he'll, he'll have to work on those a little bit. I don't know if he's got, you know, the, the kind of legs that make you think he's going to all of a sudden turn into Mark McGuire in uh if they go to the batting cage, but up top, he's certainly solid. I love how he attacks the hoop. I think he's a better shooter than the percentages indicate. Um, a lot of it's shot selection. A lot of it's little, small, technical stuff. But he's just got some stuff to learn, you know? And mm-hmm. yeah, and you could see the youth. Like, when I go to the games, a lot of times, like when I saw Jaden Hardy uh, in person, he was 0 for 11. It was probably the worst game he's ever played in his life. Like, legitimately. And it's like, all right, well, what can I learn otherwise? What is he going to do when he's not knocking down shots? How is he interacting with his teammates? Like, when I watched Bryce McGowan's uh, against Rutgers, I think they lost by 30. And while Rutgers is a very hard place to play at on the road, that, that place is insane. It's a madhouse. You know, you shouldn't lose by 30 to that team when you've got a, a guy like Bryce. But it shows the youth. I, You know, his body language is a little whatever. He wasn't really trying on defense. It's like all the stuff that you need to see him mature on and so basically it's just like are you betting he's a worker? Are you betting he's going to mature? And that's kind of stuff that it's hard for people like us to truly understand. Like there are people who I could talk to and ask about him, but until you actually unless you get to know about a person, it's hard to nail that stuff down. So he's one of those mm-hmm. guys where it his range of outcomes for me is so wide that it wouldn't shock me if he was the Seventh best player in this draft, and it also wouldn't shock me if you know he struggled to make it to his second contract, is where like I think I'm at yeah. with him. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about Ryan Rollins quickly.
2: <laughs> oh, I love because that's our I guy, love Ryan Rollins. Yep, love <laughs> that's Ryan our guy. <laughs> yeah, I so I spotted him. Oh, it was like January 2021. I spotted him and he is just, just so smooth on the basketball court. Like with um the Blake and like with the Jaden Ivy, the last season, they both, they looked like they were just like a step too fast on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. And, like the the Rollins, he never he looked looked out of the place. He never they looked like the defense was like getting into mm-hmm. into the head. He kind of he he kind of was the like when the Le'Veon Bell was on the Steelers, not not the fast, not you know. Yeah, he just you know, he didn't. He could be he, patient, he just, right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. I agree. To me, it was the same thing. And I also have an affinity. And you see how, like, for me, like, it's a tape thing, too. Like, I look at Blake and I'm like, speeds up too quick, doesn't know how to control Mm -hmm. the speed. And like you said with Rollins, it's so smooth. I just love the guys who look so damn smooth out on the court. Yeah. Maybe it's a, a weakness. Maybe it's a strength. I don't know. But I love the guys who visually have... a a pleasing game to me guys who remind me of the guys that I really loved watching when I was younger. And he's got a little bit of that throwback style to him because I think now there's so much of development is like kids have access to trainers at really young ages. And that's like of all talent levels. Like everybody has a fucking trainer and I'm like, you play in a, a a shitty league that no college coaches are ever going to see. And you're telling me your trainer is telling you to do this and you don't know how to like read a defense at all. So who cares that you could bust out some comp, like all everyone has a trainer um, and you yeah. can see it even with a lot of prospects, Ryan Rollins, you could tell that that dude just went out and hooped
2: and yep. Yep. You could yeah, tell. I'm, and that's, yeah, that's really valuable. I love that. Mm-hmm, I love that
0: because those are the guys that could go out there and improvise because, they're used to having defenses that were unpredictable, that guys were coming over, and you know, because if you're playing pickup, you're probably not getting guys who are making perfect rotations. You're mm-hmm. you're able to do things out on the floor that I think that guys who primarily practice in one on o settings don't understand because it's harder mm-hmm. to read a defender than it is a chair or a cone. And that's always what I've loved about his game. And again, like eye test vibes, right? I think he's going to be a good, uh, a good enough three point shooter in the league. I don't know, he's not going to be Clay, but like if you look at his form, his form's pretty good, and he yeah. knocked, he's a knockdown shooter in the mid range. He could hit free throws. So for me, like I'm not worried about him because if you're a defender, I'm still closing out on him from three point range because yeah. I think he's going to knock mm-hmm. it down, I, and and that's enough to at least get him to open up some of the other aspects of his game. So uh, I love that you're a Rollins guy and. Uh, I love that he's starting to get some love uh, around the internet because the small school guys need it. You know what I no mean?
2: No one pays attention to them. No, no one pays attention to them.
0: It's like you and uh, Evan from no ceilings or are, are the guys who were posting. I'm <laughs> like fucking who's this guy from Florida Gulf Coast. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you're a little down on Jeremy Sohan.
2: Little bit. Yes. So hands it's basically just just the shot.
0: Mm. Like
2: he shot he shot the fifty percent from the free throw line around there. Mm. And then it was like it was like twenty something percent from um the three point line. Yeah. And I think that it is the much the easier to hide a bad defender than it is to hide a bad shooter. The offensive guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's basically just the my the reasoning for having him that low.
1: Then Simon, to go off of that, then I noticed on your board that you have uh, Patrick Baldwin at 27, which I don't know. Is that low for him or high for him nowadays? I feel like everyone's kind of all over the place with Baldwin stock. But was wondering if you give us some insight on uh, why you have Baldwin at 27.
2: So, yeah, I do not really know if that would actually be the high or low on him either. Because I've, like, the seen guys, like, they have him in, like, the 10 to, like, the 15 range. And then I've like the seen guys who have been like the late thirties. Yeah. And the my thing is he's a six ten the shooter. Yeah. And I I like that the he went to the smaller school because mm. the now now the coaches they know that he's not, you know, the go to guy. Right. So, you know, he's gonna the go to um to a uh, the playoff the team and then just basically be the number like the four option. Just go the defend and then just go basically the hit um the three pointers. I'm I'm That's one fair.
0: of the I'm one of the ten to fourteen guys. I still have yeah my, my Baldwin stock. Yeah.
1: I think uh, I have him at 18, so yeah. Also fair. Yeah.
0: Uh nikola jovich at 35 which i also don't know if that's high or low at this point because i feel like a lot of people were still sticking with him throughout the cycle and now he's kind of dropped a little bit throughout consensus but again we don't follow consensus here but i also i think i have him right in that range as well uh but a lot of people think that he's going to be a, a big time guy. He measured out at six eleven. So, what is it about Jovic that kind of gives you a little bit of pause?
2: So basically, it's just um, um, the defense. Like, mm. so I they try to not the, pay attention too much at like like a guy's defense. And but it was just I don't know. It was just the width, the him. I do not I do not like the think he he can be the quick enough to like the guard the twos or the threes at yeah, all. At all. But I don't yeah, I do not like exactly the picture the him being like, you know, the physical guy who yeah. just yeah. goes and like yeah. the guards the fours and the fives. So I don't know the like I don't know the which guys he's gonna the defend in the nba
0: i agree i think the very answer fair. Is, is very few it's, um, yeah yeah because he's also like a little stiff and upright so yeah very it's not stiff, even like yeah. he's a mover that you could be like all right well he doesn't know what he's doing yet but he's got the like the movements down so all he needs is some seasoning he's gotta mm-hmm. like get in way more agile and that's like something really really hard to work on uh yeah I think and and uh, as you get older because you're so used to moving the way you move uh, yeah the last guy I want to touch on um because I think I'm gonna write about him soon is tevin Brown
2: Ooh. Oh, I, love I know you've been a, I know you've
0: been a tevin guy for a while so Sweet.
2: Yeah, I love Tevin. So, when I go into like the second the round, I just want to find a guy who can do do the one skill at the super high level, and Tevin is a fantastic the shooter. He can like the shoot, you know, the going the around screens he can just do catch and shoot like any type of the shot and i don't like even um the the playmaking he wasn't just like a guy who would just the chuck up the shots all game long like he still so he averaged three Four point uh, the three, and then and, and then he averaged the three point seven assists the last the three seasons. So he isn't just a guy who's just going to like, you know, the ball stop every single time he he touches it.
0: He's a good rebounder, and yep. like you said, when you can make plays with the ball in your hands, not just for yourself for your teammates, that brings value. And then at the NBA level, again in the second round, I'm kind of like similarly, what can you do at an elite level? he has at least one skill that'll be valuable and he doesn't need the ball in his hands to show it off. Mm-hmm. So if he, if he goes yep. and plays with Luca or LeBron or Chris Paul mm-hmm. or KD, you could immediately understand that this is a guy who could fit with those guys as somebody who brings mm-hmm. value and is an additive uh, guy to players like that. And those are guys that I think can find success in, as long as he can knock down shots consistently to me, he's always really reminded me of Kobe white, um, which uh, is a guy who I think, you know, has had his high moments, his low moments, but very similar speedy open court guy can pass a little bit uh, and can shoot it a bunch of ways. Kobe's just really struggled consistently knocking shots down. Like he's more of a heat check guy, but, but I could totally see Tevin being Kobe white and Kobe went seven in the draft, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, there's also that upside a little bit more upside for Tevin than probably not that Kobe has returned probably top seven value, but like there's a, a way or a- Tevin's a guy who can outperform his draft stock and give yeah. you first round value. I think is where I'm at. Uh-huh. Yep. All right, man. Uh, this was fun. I'm, I, I, I'm glad we got to touch on some of the guys that we haven't really hit on this show, uh, which is, one of the fun parts about bringing you on and, and getting your opinion on guys because, uh, I think your insights are really valuable in this space. So let, uh, let the internet world where where that they can, uh, they can find you.
2: So-, so I'm at the Twitter at the Hawks draft nerd. And my board is on the crashing the hoops.com. And that is also where my, the mock draft is at.
0: Awesome. Uh, check out crashing hoops. I know you guys got some merch there, and um, the board is very pretty. And mm-hmm. I, 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 you know me, I'm a design guy. Yes. Yeah. I, I like the. I like the vibes too when it comes to design and aesthetics. So, uh, it it's very well well done. You get my seal of approval, which is not something I would say if I didn't fully believe it, because most people when they try to uh, do graphic design stuff it ends up looking absolutely atrocious but
1: it looks dope so uh
0: everybody check <laughs> it out uh albert tell the people where they could find you
1: uh you can find me at alberto gim on twitter and a part of the no ceilings family
0: yes sir you can find me at Corey tulliba on twitter uh nba draft dude on youtube and then at noceilingsmba.com where you can find our uh 2022 nba draft guide 58 player breakdowns and as well as uh, the merch that that we just dropped the support has been overwhelming Um, so shout out to everybody who picked something up whether it was a draft guide, whether it was a piece of merch, or whether you just visited the the site and decided maybe I'll come back later, we appreciate you, Uh, make sure that you rate and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and uh, we love y'all, so until next time we out, peace peace